So I'm going to give myself a little room to roam because I feel a run in me already. I was thinking about what it does to spend a week or two in the Word. I feel like a chef that's prepared a banquet. You know, when it's time to eat, the chef sits down, but they don't touch the plate. Like, man, you're not going to eat anything? You don't think the food is good? I'm full. Like, well, when did you eat? I've been eating all day as I've been preparing this meal, and I feel full already because of the song that we just sang is true for me as I believe is true for you as well. I've tasted and seen that Jesus is good and I've put my trust in him, my hope in him, and he has never failed. If that's your testimony, then what we're going to be unpacking today is just going to make you probably feel a jump up and run as well because to taste and see that God is good That's the reason why the word is so good. And when we hear it, it charges us, it challenges us, it excites us to just go and continue to run for the Lord. So I'm excited to dive into the word on this morning. I'll be reading from Exodus 34. We'll start at verse 29, and I'm going to read through Exodus 36, verse 7. And we're going to see what the Lord has to say to us on this morning. Before we dive in, I ask that you would join me in a word of prayer. Would you please pray for me and pray with me as we prepare to go into God's word? Father, we are abundantly grateful that you've given us your truth and that we now can spend time in your word to hear from heaven a word that will encourage us, a word that will train us and teach us, a word that will correct us, a word that will rebuke us, a word that will exhort us, a word that can only come from you. And so, Lord, would you please speak to our hearts this morning that we, your people, would leave this place excited and ready to run because we've tasted and seen that you are good. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Exodus, starting at chapter... 34 verse 29. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand as he came down from the mountain, Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. Aaron and all the people of Israel saw Moses and behold, the skin of his face shone and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them, And Aaron and all the elders of the congregation returned to him, and Moses talked with them. Afterward, all the people of Israel came near, and he commanded them all that the Lord had spoken with him in Mount Sinai. And when Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil over his face. Whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would remove the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the people of Israel what he was commanded, the people of Israel would see the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face was shining. And Moses would put the veil over his face again until he went in to speak with him. Moses assembled all the congregation of the people of Israel and said to them, these are the things that the Lord has commanded you to do. Six days work shall be done. But on the seventh day, you shall have a Sabbath of solemn rest, holy to the Lord. 
Whoever does any work on it shall be put to death. You shall kindle no fire in all your dwelling places on the Sabbath day. Moses said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, this is the thing that the Lord has commanded. Take from among you a contribution to the Lord. Whoever is of a generous heart, let him bring the Lord's contribution. Gold, silver, and bronze, blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twine linen, goat's hair, tanned ram skins and goat skins, acacia wood, oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense, and onyx stones and stones for setting, for the ephod and for the breastpiece. Let every skillful craftsman among you come and make all that the Lord has commanded. The tabernacle, its tent and its covering, its hooks and its frames, its bars, its pillars and its bases, the ark with its poles, the mercy seat and the veil of the screen, the table with its poles and all its utensils and the bread of the presence, the lampstand also for the light with its utensils and its lamps and the oil for the light. And the altar of incense with its poles and the anointing oil and fragrant incense and the screen for the door at the door of the tabernacle. The altar of burnt offering with its grating of bronze, its poles and all its utensils, the basin and its stand. The hangings of the court, its pillars and its bases and the screen for the gate of the court. The pegs of the tabernacle and the pegs of the court and their cords. The finely worked garments for ministering in the holy place. The holy garments for Aaron the priest and the garments of his sons for their service as priests. Then all the congregation of the people of Israel departed from the presence of Moses. And they came, everyone whose heart stirred him and everyone whose spirit moved him and brought the Lord's contribution to be used for the tent of meeting and for all its service and for the holy garments. So they came, both men and women, all who were of a willing heart, brought brooches and earrings and signet rings and armlets and all sorts of gold objects, every man dedicating an offering of gold to the Lord. And everyone who possessed blue or purple or scarlet yarns or fine linen or goat's hair or tan ram skin or goat skins brought them. Everyone who could make a contribution of silver or bronze brought it as the Lord's contribution. And everyone who possessed acacia wood of any use in the work brought it. And every skillful woman spun with her hands, and they all brought what they had spun in blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twine linen. All the women whose hearts stirred them to use their skill spun the goat's hair. And the leaders brought onyx stones and stones to be set for the ephod and for the breastpiece, and spices and oil for the light and for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense. All the men and women, the people of Israel, whose heart moved them to bring anything for the work that the Lord had commanded by Moses to be done, brought it as a free will offering to the Lord. Then Moses said to the people of Israel, See, the Lord has called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And he has filled him with the spirit of God, with skill, with intelligence, with knowledge, and with all craftsmanship to devise artistic designs, to work in gold and silver and bronze, in cutting stones for setting and in carving wood, for work in every skilled craft. And he has inspired him to teach both him and Aholiab, the son of Ahissamach, of the tribe of Dan, 
He has filled them with skill to do every sort of work done by an engraver or by a designer or by an embroiderer in blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twine linen or by a weaver by any sort of workman or skilled designer. Bezalel and Aholiab and every craftsman in whom the Lord has put skill and intelligence to know how to do any work in the construction of the sanctuary shall work in accordance with all that the Lord has commanded. And Moses called Bezalel and Aholiab and every craftsman in whose mind the Lord had put skill, everyone whose heart stirred him to come to do the work. And they received from Moses all the contribution that the Lord, that the people of Israel had brought for doing the work on the sanctuary. They still kept bringing him free will offerings every morning so that all the craftsmen who were doing every sort of task on the sanctuary came, each from the task that he was doing, and said to Moses, the people bring much more than enough for doing the work that the Lord has commanded us to do. So Moses gave command. And word was proclaimed throughout the camp. Let no man or woman do anything more for the contribution for the sanctuary. So the people were restrained from bringing. For the material they had was sufficient to do all the work and more. This is the word of the Lord. The word of God is good all by itself. You know, I'm excited whenever I can spend more than five minutes reading the word out loud. So I feel like the sermon has been preached. And now we'll look to unpack just a little bit in hopes that we can leave here with some application points from the sermon that we just heard. Moses is coming down from his second stint on the mountain. 40 days and 40 nights. And he's coming again with the tablets that had the Ten Commandments on them. But this time, there's a slight difference after this second encounter on the mountain with God. Moses got to see the backside of God. And so now Moses is coming down a shining servant. His face literally shone, the scriptures say, and the people were afraid, and rightly so. And Moses calls the people to himself, it says here in verse 32 of chapter 24. And all the people came near and he commanded them all that the Lord had spoken with him in Mount Sinai. And then we see here in chapter 35 verses 1 through 19, the summary statements that Moses gives to the people after coming down from the mountain. So in real time, Moses would have gone through it all very extensively, letting them know all the commands, all the instructions. But here in this writing, they're summary statements giving us glimpses of a lot of what we unpacked over the last few weeks as we went through Exodus. And so here in this first section, this summary statement, Moses gives the command that the people were to do, and he says that they are to keep the Sabbath. And now in order to appreciate and understand what this summary statement means, we have to remember the significance of the Sabbath. And we preached on that not too long ago from Exodus chapter uh, 31, so I'm just going to tease it out just a little bit. If you weren't here or you need a refresher, somewhere in the archives, you can go and pull up Exodus 31. Here, though, Exodus 31, verse 12 and 13, and then we'll jump over to verse 17, we we see the significance of the Sabbath. The Sabbath was a sign. The Lord tells the people of Israel through Moses, this was after the first stint of coming down the mountain. This was what they were going to hear if 
Moses didn't find them doing what they were doing. It says, and the Lord said to Moses, you are to speak to the people of Israel and say, above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths. For this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. And then verse 17, it, the Sabbath, is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. So the Sabbath was a sign, it was a pledge, a thing given in security for the fulfillment of a contract or promise. And so now this sign of the Sabbath was between God and his people as a reminder that they were in this covenant relationship. So it wasn't only the Sabbath. The Sabbath was a sign that we were in covenant and the people were going to trust and obey God and God promises to provide to take care of his people. And so by keeping the Sabbath, what Moses is communicating is that you will continue to be in a covenant relationship with your creator. And that was a requirement. If you did not keep the Sabbath, this sign that you were in covenant relationship, then the covenant would be void. That's where death comes in. You've now broken the contract because you did not keep the Sabbath. You did not keep this sign. You've broken the pledge. So now after letting the people know what the Lord commanded, that you are to be in covenant relationship with me, Moses continues to let the people know that the Lord is inviting his people to be in partnership with him. So out of this relationship, partnership is birthed. And we see in verse 4 and 5b, the Lord speaks through Moses to the people. Moses said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, this is the thing that the Lord has commanded you. Take from among you a contribution to the Lord. So the Lord is commanding for the people to bring a contribution. But what we have to understand is that the command is about the specifics of the contribution. So the Lord is not forcing his people to enter into partnership with him. He's commanding them to bring a contribution, and then he gives the specifics of what this contribution is to be. Gold, silver, and bronze, blue, and purple, and scarlet yarns, and you can continue on reading the rest. It was a specific contribution. You couldn't just bring anything. You couldn't say, man, I don't have gold, silver, or bronze, but I do have tin. That's cool, but that's not going to be a part of the Lord's contribution. He made it very clear, I'm commanding you to bring these contributions. But he did not command the people that they had to contribute. And we see that here in verse 5. Take from among you a contribution to the Lord, whoever is of a generous heart. Now, this word heart is from the Hebrew word lab. It's used seven times in the passage that we read. It speaks in specific reference to inclinations, resolutions, or determination of the will. We would say set the mind. It's a made-up mind, a deep desire to do, determination of the will. This word generous is from the Hebrew word nadab, which means to incite or to impel. So to volunteer, spontaneously give, is speaking to freely giving. So when the Lord says whoever is of a generous heart, he's not even communicating whoever feels like it. No, it's more the picture of whoever has a deep desire to freely give this contribution to the Lord, bring this. So they're not being coerced into a contribution. They're not being forced to give an offering. It's whoever has a deep desire to partner with the Lord can bring this free will offering to God. But the Lord doesn't only command a contribution. He also calls for craftsmen. 
Here in verse 10, let every skillful craftsman among you come and make all that the Lord has commanded. So the Lord is calling the craftsmen to bring their skill to make what he's commanded. So this contribution and these craftsmen are given their time and their resources to a specific effort. And that effort we see here is the tabernacle, the furnishings, and the holy garments. Exodus 25, if you might recall, the Lord calls it the sanctuary. It's a sacred space that the Lord is calling his people to build for the purposes of God dwelling in the midst of his people. So the Lord, after entering into this covenant relationship with his people, is inviting his people into partnership to build a space where he can dwell in their midst. And now we see after this commands given by Moses, the response of the people. Jump down to verse 20. It says, then all the congregation of the people of Israel departed from the presence of Moses. And they came. Everyone whose heart stirred him and everyone whose spirit moved him and brought the Lord's contribution to be used for the tent of meeting and for all its service and for the holy Garments, And hear this word hard again. This is the word lab, who's set their mind, all of those who had a deep desire to do, their heart stirred them, determined in the will. This word stirred is to take up, lift, carry. So it's who had a deep desire. They were lifted by their deep desire to partner with God. It says everyone whose spirit moved him. This word spirit is breath, life. It would be like to say the soul. Whose soul moved him. This word moved is the word nodab. Whose spirit incited, impelled, not impaled, impelled them, incited them to voluntarily come and give to the Lord. All of those who felt that way came and brought the contribution to be used for the sanctuary so that the spirit of the living God might dwell in the midst of his people. And this blessed my soul as I was continuing to read through Exodus. And it says, who came and who brought what? Verse 22, so they came, both men and women, all who were of a willing heart. The word translated willing here is the same word translated generous in verse 5. The willing heart who had a deep desire to freely give. They brought brooches and earrings and signet rings and armlets, all sorts of gold objects. Every man dedicating an offering of gold to the Lord. And then it continues on, who brought what? And everyone who possessed these materials brought it. Verse 24, everyone who could make a contribution of silver and bronze, they brought the Lord's contribution. And everyone who possessed acacia wood of any use in the work brought it. So it was those who had. See, again, it wasn't being strong-armed to give. It was a free will offering. So if you have the gold, if you have the silver, if you have the materials that the Lord has required to bring, bring it. So for all of those who had it, you didn't, you didn't have to feel bad if you didn't have it. If you don't have it, well, Lord, I really would like to bring silver, but I don't have any. Then don't bring it. You don't have it. If you have it and you desire to bring it, bring the free will offering. But to remind us, Real quick before we go too much further in the story, where the people of God, any of them for that matter, got any of these things that they could bring to the Lord. 
We've been in Exodus for a little while, so we may have forgotten. So again, allow me, if you're not as familiar with the story, just to jog our memory. The people of Israel had spent 430 years as slaves, as slaves. So there was no payment. They didn't have a retirement plan. They didn't have a nest egg. They had nothing to show for the hard taxing labor that they have spent doing for their entire life. And now they're at the foot of the mountain of God. And there are people who actually have these possessions that could have the opportunity to bring it. How did they get it? Exodus chapter 12. Verse 33 and 36 of jog our memory. The Egyptians were urgent with the people to send them out of the land in haste. For they said, we shall all die. So the people took their dough before it was leavened. Their kneading bowls being bound up in their cloaks on their shoulders. The people of Israel had also done as Moses told them. For they had asked, they asked, excuse me, please, may I borrow something? They asked the Egyptians, for silver and gold jewelry and for clothing. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that they let them have what they asked. Thus, they plundered the Egyptians. They plundered them like a war horse coming and riding through. They devastated the enemy and now they take all of their spoils. The Egyptians, only thing was they didn't come in on a war horse. They were slaves. They didn't even have weapons. And they plundered the most powerful army in the known world at that time because of God. Again, you'll have to go back and read more of Exodus if you want to be reminded of the 10 plagues that the Lord sent on the Egyptians. This picked up where I read from the 10th and final plague, the death plague, where the children of Egypt were now saying, hey, get them out Get them out, let them go and worship and send them with gold, silver, and all the clothing that they need or want that they asked for, didn't demand. So now the people of Israel at the foot of the mountain of God, hearing from Moses that this God who rescued them from slavery and then who gave them all the possessions that they have is telling them, if you so desire, bring me a contribution of all that I've given to you, bring me a contribution. And so the people, those who had, who had what God gave them, brought. And that's where verse 29 tells us, and all the men and women, the people of Israel, whose heart moved them to bring anything for the work that the Lord had commanded by Moses to be done, brought it as a free will offering to the Lord. Not a coerced contribution, a free will offering to the Lord who rescued them from slavery and who gave them everything that they had. But the Lord didn't just give them the contributions that they would contribute to the building of the tabernacle. He also gave them the skills to be able to build the tabernacle. I won't continue reading over chapter 35, but you heard it read. He gave Bezalel and Aholiab the skills to be able to do it and also some other craftsmen. And we'll jump down to chapter 36, verse 1. Bezalel and Aholiab and every craftsman in whom the Lord has put the skill and intelligence to know how to do any work in the construction of the sanctuary, the sacred space where the Lord would dwell in the midst of his people. 
shall work in accordance with all that the Lord has commanded. And again, remember, the Lord gave specific instructions on how the tabernacle and the furnishings and everything was to be built. So that's where the command was that this building was to be erected to be formed in a particular way. And then verse 2, and Moses called Bezalel and Aholiab and every craftsman in whose mind the Lord had put skill, everyone whose heart stirred him to come to do the work. So even the craftsmen were freely giving of their time, their skills, their efforts, these skills that God had given them, that God had trained them up to use now in the construction of his tabernacle. And one could imagine how you might respond to a God who's given you everything, to a God who's freed you from slavery, to a God who's given you all the possessions that you have in your possession. When this God, loving, gracious, merciful, mind you, flashback to last week, who forgave you after you worshiped a false idol and could have, should have killed you and cut you off, has now welcomed you once again into his presence to build a place where he can dwell in your midst. What do you do? How do you respond to this gracious and merciful God? Well, that partnership leads into ownership for anyone who has tasted and seen how good God is. And that's exactly what we see from the children of Israel. Here, verse 3b, chapter 36, they, the children of Israel, still kept bringing. They still kept bringing him free will offerings every morning so that all the craftsmen who were doing every sort of task on the sanctuary came. Each from the task that he was doing and said to Moses, the people bring much more than enough for doing the work that the Lord has commanded us to do. So Moses gave command and the word was proclaimed throughout the camp. Let no man or woman do anything more for the contribution for the sanctuary. For the people were restrained from bringing for the material they had was sufficient to do all the work and more. The craftsmen had to stop from their task. This is just my spiritual imagination, so stay with me. I pictured them coming frantic to Moses. Moses, you have got to tell them to stop. Like there's too much gold. We're just being swamped. We're trying to build and we're being overloaded by all the gold. Like, please just tell them to stop. Give us a moment to build something. They just keep on bringing more stuff. We're spending more time sorting than we are building because they're bringing so much stuff. This is not said. This is the MDV version, you know, that I'm just, just kind of, just my spiritual imagination. You know, so that they had to tell them to stop. And Moses had to command them. He says they had to be restrained from bringing their contributions. See, they didn't just have to give something. No, they got to give something. And they had something to give. My creator is inviting me to build a space where he can dwell in my midst. Absolutely sign me all the way up. What you need? I just, I'm like, no, Michael, keep your pants on. Okay, but it's fine. Twine linen, though. You need it? I'm willing to give you everything. I mean, the shirt off my back. Everything I have came from you. Right? That's just a different kind of entering into a partnership. It's a like, man, if I have to, I guess. No, it's Lord, thank you that you've given me the opportunity because you don't need anything from me. I'm giving you all that I have. You won't have to stop me because I'm just going to keep on giving. That's how one responds. 
when they enter into a partnership freely, when their heart has moved them, they've set in their mind a deep desire to do whatever God says because I'm giving to a God who's given me everything that I have. And you just want a contribution? I get into more conversations, Michael, do I have to give 10% or 20%? Do you have to? The conversation should be, can I give? Like, man, I have to pay the light bills. But man, if there weren't such thing as light bills, I'd just give it all. Like, can I give more? I'm trying to find places. Anything under this couch cover? I want to give God more. I want to partner with a God who wants to be with me. And if I could remember where he found me, slavery. And if I could remember what he's done for me, forgiving me after I've made a complete and utter mess of things. And you just want a contribution? Oh. Yes, Lord. I own this partnership. You don't have to force me into it. I take ownership of this. Right? It's like a kid in a house who wants to invite their friends over to their house. Your house. Well, the last time you paid a light bill <clears throat> or paid for anything for that matter. I mean, you've taken more than you've given. I'm just saying, I love you as short sure as the day is long, but you've taken more than you've given. And now you're going to invite your friends over to your house and you want to take them to your bedroom <clears throat> on your bed. Oh, yeah, yeah. You want to play video games on your TV. It's like, wait, wait, what? Are we, where? See, they own it. They're part of this family. And it's not them people over there. Unless they're frustrated with their parents and then they bump their head. Now they're saying them. No, but when you own it, it's us. Let me just park here for just a moment because I feel this in my soul. That's the way that we should be with the church. I know it's messy. I'm a part of the church. And I know me. So I know that it's messy because the Lord has invited me to be a part of this family. But the messiness of the church should not cause me to reject or renounce the church. This is the family of God. This is us. And I know that it gets messy. I know it gets hard. But this is family. And you know how it is if you're really serious about family. You know, Uncle Ray Ray is a complete and utter mess. None of you have Uncle Ray Ray, and that's cool. Just stay with me for a moment. Enter into my world, right? You know, Uncle Ray Ray, nobody got him. You know you got him, though. But I'm going to let you act sanctified for today. And somebody come and talk about Uncle Ray Ray, you're like, listen, you're right, but that's my uncle. You don't talk about my family like that. But he just, no. It's my family. And even though he a mess, it's my family. Man, I wish that a few people would just take some holy boldness and stand up and not let anybody speak against the bride of Christ. That was, that's not even in the notes, but I just felt that in my soul for a moment. So may we take that and hold on to it and run with it. I may revisit that here in just a moment. <clears throat> but when you think about who God is and what he's done, and this God who graciously invites you into partnership with him, what do you do? You own this partnership and you bring all of you into this partnership. It's not an 80-20 split. Man, I got a lot of little soapboxes that I'm feeling in my soul. We got just a few more minutes. <clears throat> but I think about it like marriage, and this is free for anybody who's married. People will come up to me and say, oh, where's your better half? I don't have a better half. I'm whole. I'm whole by myself. See, my wife knows. She loved me, <clears throat> and she's in agreement with me 100%. 
I am a child of God. Jomar does not complete me. The Lord has called us to partner together to advance the gospel in ways that he's called us to, but she's not my half. God is my whole. Right? And so when I come into this relationship, it's not a 50-50 partnership. I bring 100% of me into whatever God calls me into. And I pray she brings 100% of her into this. And we're not trying to split each other down the middle and figure out how can we meld together. No. 100% I'm owning my relationship. And so it's not what you did to me is not going to cause. No, what I do is because of who God is to me and I'm walking with him. And that's what it looks like to own our relationship with the Lord. 100%. I don't blame anyone externally for me. You do not control what I do. God and what he's done for me determines what I do. And so I respond to him rightly. And that's why this story in Exodus, even though it's ancient Near East, seemingly dated and antiquated, like why would we even read through Exodus? I mean, what's the point? Let's, even the New Testament is pretty old, but at least it's under the new covenant. What can you glean from the New Testament? Everything, because God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. So when we hear this story, about the nation of Israel, and we read through Exodus 34, 35, and 36, there's something in your soul that should resonate because this story is our story. It's our story. Where did God find you? Sin, death, and the grave. And I don't care if you got saved at six. You were born a wretch undone, and you needed Jesus Christ to rescue you. But then let's just take a little bit further. Maybe you thought that you were looking good, but I got saved before I even remember what sin was, or before I could even sin. Listen, no, you didn't. Trust me, the moment you came out the womb, you just born in a sin, shaped in iniquity. Yes, Lord, that's true. But even if, have you been perfect your whole journey with Jesus? No. No, you probably can identify with the children of Israel building some idols and saying, this is the thing that's going to bring me comfort, security, joy, and peace. And then the Lord graciously having to remind you and draw you back into his love. We all need Jesus. Amen. See, sometimes I just got, I'm going to have to make you give me an amen every now and then. I'm cool with that. I'm just going, we're going to work together. Partnership. Own it. Right? So you know where God found you. And the scriptures let us know that while we were in that place, broken, dead in our trespasses and sins. A God who needs nothing and needs no one sends his only begotten son to die, to rescue you and die from our sins. You see how we identify with Israel in Exodus? And that's what Ephesians tells us. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8.